Hi, my name is Alan. I'm a business designer and welcome to the Beyond Users podcast, where we learn about business to become better designers. I recently gave a talk titled Good Design is Good Business at the Meetup or Design Meetup in Berlin. I presented the research or the synthesis of my research for the last couple of years where I was trying to understand what is the purpose of design and connected to that what is the purpose of design community and designers as individuals. So in this talk I basically share my answer to this question and uh, what you're gonna hear in this podcast episode is the audio version or the audio file from this talk but if you want to watch the video and also see the slides then you can go on youtube the link for the exact youtube video you can find in the show notes or on the website beyondusers.com slash podcast just one more thing before diving into the episode if you want to learn more about business um, you can visit my website beyondusers.com and there you can take a five-day email course which I put together. It's called Mini MBA for Designers. And in these emails, I present five business concepts that are relevant for designers and that I've also used in my design process. So that's available on beyondusers.com. And now, without further ado, here is the talk. Good design is good business. So, good design is good business. So this famous statement was made by Thomas J. Watson, who was the president of IBM in the 20th century. It is a type of statement that inevitably pricks designers' ears up. And as a business designer, it definitely pricked mine. Um, It kind of intrigued me, but at the same time, it confused me because I was not sure what it actually means. So um, because I'm so interested in this intersection of business and design, I started sharing this statement with designers who are friends and also with designers, sorry, with um, friends who are not designers, but they work with designers. What I found out is that when I try to ask designers what this statement means, I inevitably get the answer in in an extent saying that if you create a good design, if you create something that's good for customers, if you create something that's beautiful, it's gonna lead to good business. Basically improved revenue, improved cost, profitability, etc. But if you talk to non-designers, what they sell you is, or what they think this statement means, is that actually good design is only good when it's good for business. So also if I create something that's not that nice, so ugly maybe, and maybe something that's just not a great user experience, if it advances business goals, it is good um, design. So naturally I was even more confused after, ta- after I talked to my friends, right? And because I'm really, really so interested in this intersection, I really wanted to get down to this answer so um but to actually answer this question i had to i felt like i had to go in one level deeper to actually answer what is uh even design for you know what is the purpose of design and i think this is the question that we as a community are definitely not asking ourselves enough so what is design meant to do what is the goal of design what is the goal of designer right so to answer this after i left IDEO. Um, I started a project called Beyond Users. And in this project, one of the things I'm doing is hosting a podcast where I talk to designers and non-designers who are in this intersection. So basically business designers, designers who are entrepreneurs, and very senior designers, right, who have to deal with, with a lot of 
business executives and just business people. Uh, another thing I had to do to answer the question, what is the design for and what is the purpose of design is go back to history. I felt like this is a really good starting point to really understand where is design coming from? What was the purpose of design when it actually originated, when it started? And after a few weeks of this basic research, all of the resources pointed me to the same direction, which is the Bauhaus movement, right? which originated here in Germany in 1919. So now that I had like the starting point of design, the next question for me was basically why did Bauhaus even became Bauhaus? What was it trying to solve? Right? And to answer this, I actually had to go in further down to the 19th century, to England. So the 19th century, England was the undisputed industrial champion. Right? They created the best product at the cheapest price. And naturally, the countries on the continent like France and Germany were trying to find a way to beat them. So what Germans have done, smartly, right, is they sent a cultural spy called Hermann. And, sorry, don't make me pronounce his surname. So they sent the cultural spy Hermann to England to really understand why England is so good and how Germany can beat them. What Hermann found out is actually that there is no way in trying to find a way to beat uh, English factories because they are just great at what they do, which is create good or great products at a very cheap price. What he also found out is, you know, always when you have something that's super, super successful, something else kind of starts developing on the side. One of the things that this success brought is very inhumane conditions in the factories in England. So, as a consequence, a new movement started, which is called Arts and Crafts in England. And they completely rejected the ideas of the industrialism, and they also rejected the products of industrialism. They were very, in the 19th century, the products were very ornamental, very decorative gothic-like, if you will. So the idea of arts and crafts was completely basically on the opposite side. Very functional products and going against the industrialism. So they, that's why it's also called arts and crafts because artists work together with craftsmen to create beautiful uh, functional products, not industrial. So our cultural spy, Hermann, he looked at this and actually he saw a great opportunity in this. He saw maybe there is something in marrying the idea of arts and crafts with industrialism, with technology. So per his recommendation, what happened in the Germany is that workshops started popping up all around. And this is what later resulted in the Bauhaus movement. And as you can see also in the Bauhaus products, they really married these two ideas together. So what you have is very functional products that use very basic shapes and colors, right? Rectangles squares, circles, triangles, and very basic colors such as blue, red, yellow. And the reason for that was because they were easier to produce. So they took this commercial aspect, which is what was easy to produce, and then they added the value on top, which was the design. They created beautiful, aesthetic, functional products. So they married these two ideas together. After Bauhaus took off, Germany, of course, then defeated England as the industrial champion. When I actually kind of put all these puzzles together, it, felt, uh, it kind of felt like the purpose of design when it originated was actually rooted in the commercial aspect. It was trying to help German factories create better products that would sell better than the English ones. But this deeply rooted business design didn't really feel right to me. Like it didn't really 
it wasn't really something that I felt was really true in the community, in the design community, and it didn't really felt like we were living it. So the next step for me was actually to look at what are the famous designers of our time, the 21st century, actually say what is the design for. You know, has something changed in between or is it still true? It's just maybe uh, kind of disconnected among the mass. Naturally, one of the first resources I went to was John Mayla, one of the most famous designers of the 21st century. Uh, and what he said actually pretty much confirms the Bauhaus purpose of design. He said, design is about the customer, not just the user. And design has always been about selling. So if you think about it, the customer and the user, these are completely different words. And the difference is basically the user is not paying for something and the customer is. The customer has a big enough problem to actually pay for the thing. And the user, especially today with freemium stuff, maybe we're not really solving a problem if somebody is not willing to pay for it. This is kind of the message, right? The design has always been about selling. That's kind of the purpose of design. Uh, there were many, many other design leaders of our time who more or less confirmed this. Uh, I, I just want to share one more, which is head of design, uh, head of yeah, product design at Uber, Dieter Hilhorst, who said design goals should always be aligned with business. He furthermore even said that if design goals, if, if design is not aligned with business, in his opinion, it's not a good design. So after I put all of that together, I basically came up with the first statement of what I think design is about. What is the purpose of design? So, and it goes like this. In the business context, the purpose of design is solving business problems and achieving business goals. This is a pretty drastic statement to make. And also when I first read it and I first wrote it, it didn't still feel right to me. So I did what any good designer would do, which is basically try to test this um, finding or insight and take it to the extreme. What happens is if you take this statement to the extreme, what you get is dark UX, dark patterns. So designers who only care about business goals and completely forget about the customer. And maybe one of the most famous examples of that is Amazon. So on one side, Amazon is great product, great company. You order it, you order something today, you get it tomorrow. You can create an account, super easy. It saves your credit card, super convenient when you basically try to give them money. But if you try to delete the account, then it gets complicated. You've seen this before? Okay, I'll just do it for those who haven't. So basically, if you try to delete an account Amazon, what I would do is I would probably go under my account, right? So there, your account. What you actually have to do, I had to Google it, of course, is you have to go to the bottom of the page and there, there is a, a something called help. So if you want to delete your account, you have to click on help, which has nothing to do with deleting your account. Next step here, what you have to click to get further, you have to click need more help and then contact us, which again has nothing to do with deleting my account. Third step on this screen, I actually have to click on prime and more right there which again has nothing to do with deleting my account. Then Amazon asked me, hey, tell me more about your issue. And here I actually have to click update account information, which again has nothing to do with deleting my account. And we finally get to this screen, which has close my account and delete data. The first one. I, I was actually surprised that it's the first one, <laughs> but yeah.
unfortunately, this is not the end. Right? After you click this, you get the next screen. And here we actually have to talk to Amazon to their, either through chat or email, and they have to let you delete an account. Yeah. So it probably takes you at least a few minutes, if not a few days, to get an answer for them and to delete your account. And this is a great example of what happens if Design Lab works just for business goals. Right? If we take it too, too far, then we get this dark um, patterns, dark UX, where we actually stop caring about the customer and only advance the business goals. And what I think a lot of uh, also designers who go too far with this idea, but in general, business people forget is that there is no business without a customer. Right? You don't have a business if somebody is not paying you for something. So with this in mind, I basically reiterated my purpose statement for design. And it goes like this. In the business context, the purpose of design is solving business problems and achieving business goals through customer centricity. In other words, and maybe more illustratively, what it says is that good design is an alignment of customer goals and business goals. And I truly believe that if we align the long-term customer goals with business goals, we actually get the best results. Here is where the big problem comes. Because I think intuitively, a lot of us agree with this. The way we try to achieve this balance and we, the way we try to create good design is through that. Basically, we as a design community are on one cliff, on one side of the um, room, let's say, and then on the other side, we have the business community, the business people, right? And what happens is because business people over-index on caring about the business and business goals and metrics and revenue and cost and profit, we go completely the other way. And we care about the customer and we care about the UX and we care about creating things beautiful. And the idea is, which is a fair idea, right? The idea is that if we try to balance this, it's going to balance out in the middle. But there is a huge problem. If we go back to the Bauhaus products and to our, to our Bauhaus masters, the way they created products is actually in the product design itself, in creating the products, they try to balance both things. Because if you look at these products, they're not just created that they're desirable, they're desirable and viable at the same time. Right? Desirability comes from the fact that you have a chair that's very functional. It also has a beautiful, um, beautiful frame that you just makes it want to buy it, right? And the industrial aspect, the commercial aspects come from the fact, and it's deeply, again, deeply, deeply rooted in the product design, is that you use very basic shapes. You use square, rectangle, whatever, right? I talked more about that before. So basically, they, in the product design, marry the two together. So what I actually believe that we as a community, and even more so as individuals, should try to do is basically balance the customer and business goals when we're designing our user experiences and products. So not just over-index on one side and then throw it to the business people and try, they try, basically try to find the balance, is we need to, as designers, build this balance. Here's where the second problem comes. To actually exercise business empathy and achieve business goals, we need to start building this bridge between design and business. We basically need to start speaking the language of business. We need to start becoming comfortable using business frameworks. We need to basically acquire business skills. And this is pretty scary because there is no good resource for designers to actually learn business. So I spent the last year putting together an overview of the relevant business skills or frameworks that designers should have in their work. So an overview looks like this, right? What we actually have to be comfortable with is understanding what is the industry we're in, 
more about the company we work with or work for, right? And also knowing more about the business of our product. So for each of these, I also have a few more concrete stuff to share. So on industry level, what we have to become be better at is basically industry analysis and competitive analysis. This basically means that we have to understand what is the industry we're in and who are we competing against. For example, if I'm working for a car manufacturer, I should understand that I'm not competing just with the car manufacturers. When a customer, and this is customer centricity, right? When a customer is buying a car, they're not, especially the ones that live in cities, they're not just um, comparing different cars. They're also comparing different alternatives from different industries. You have bikes, you have public transport. For long uh, commutes, you also have flights, so airplanes and airlines. You also have trains, etc. And having this overview of what is happening in different industries and what industries are relevant for me are crucial to design good products. Second is the company level. On the company level, we have to become more smart in terms of the business strategies and the business models. It's not as complicated as it sounds. So business models basically means to understand what, how does my company make money? How does my product make money? Because again, selling is also the, the, the signal that you have created value for the customer. Also about business strategies, right? We have to become smart and we have to understand what is the business strategy of the company I'm working for. For example, if I work for EasyJet, the airline, the low-cost airline, right? I have to understand that their strategy is a low-cost strategy, cost differentiation also, uh, cost leadership, it's, it's called. So if I, as a designer, would look just from a customer perspective, I would tell my boss in the EasyJet, hey, why don't we extend the legroom? You know, there are pretty long flights from Berlin to Canary Islands. They're like, they're like four or five hours. People don't want to be squeezed. Actually, if you would do that, you would work against the customer. Because the reason the business strategy of the cost leadership exists is because some people care more about the price than about the uh, premiums, premiums uh, <laughs> the legroom, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And if you would actually try to extend the legroom, what would happen is that this would eat up into the price. Because having lower legroom actually means you can get more people into the plane, which enables lower price. So this is one example of how understanding the strategy that your company has can have a really great uh, effect on what design suggestions you're having and also designing the products. And lastly, in the product section, we have to become better in prototyping with numbers and using metrics. So in terms of prototyping with numbers, this basically means just using very simple math to estimate the impact we're having by creating design changes. For example, if I work for Zalando and the customer challenge is that they cannot find the right products the first time they order, what I should tell to my boss and what I should prototype with numbers is, hey, if I actually improve the, the process of people finding the right product the first time, we will decrease the product return rate. And if we decrease the product return rate by even 1%, that's going to result in tens of millions of euros in cost. And if you start making this argument, the business people really understand that, ah, okay, I understand. Let's improve something for the customer. And this is also going to lead for the business benefit. And then it's much easier to get a buy-in. And lastly, we should also start using metrics. I think a lot of designers are afraid of using metrics because we feel like we're going to use, sorry, we're going to lose the empathy. Right? You talk to the, to the consumer end to end, you have the qualitative data and you feel like you really understand them. But having numbers, we feel like we're going to dehumanize them. But if we start combining both the metrics and the qualitative data, we can get even more empathy, not less of it. 
So this is an overview of all the data, sorry, of all the skills, business skills that designers should have. And if you start doing that, we're going to build this bridge between design and business. And this has a lot of benefits. So the benefits of becoming commercially literate, one of them, which I talked about the most, is creating better design. So good design, again, means alignment of customer and business goals. And by actually learning about business, we can understand what business goals are and how to align them. The second benefit is we can become actually better at explaining why to be customer-centric. I think one of the reasons also a lot of designers feel uneasy and not willing to learn business is because they feel, if I learn business, I will only start to care about business. But I actually think it's the other way around. And from my experience, it's the other way around. If you learn business, you can become better, paradoxically, at explaining the customer's centricity. You can explain better why we should care about the customer, because you have the language. You can talk in metrics, you can talk in strategy, and business people will actually understand you better what you're trying to say. And lastly, we're also going to become better at getting and keeping the seat at the table, right? The, the famous seat at the table. Because I think we also don't want to be just working on very specific um, questions and just answer those questions. We actually want to be framing strategic questions. And by actually caring about customers, I believe that we have a lot of stuff to actually contribute on a strategic level. And if we have this knowledge and skills, I think we can start building this bridge and actually getting the seat at the table and influencing the strategic conversations. So to go back to the starting point, I think what I learned in this whole journey is that good design does lead to good business. If we understand that good design is an alignment of customer and business goals, good design is good business. Thanks. So, I hope you enjoyed this one. If you have any feedback for me or if you just want to reach out, you can find me or the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. So if you just type in Alan Falic, which is A-L-E-N uh, space and then F-A-L-J-I-C, you can find me there and just reach out. And again, if you do want to learn more about business, you can visit thebeyondusers.com and take a five-day email course and uh, in these emails, you can basically learn about five uh, business concepts that are relevant for designers. Thanks for your attention and see you next time.